0: Here's a bit of e-commerce trivia. (laughs) Did you know that 9 out of 10 UK shoppers will abandon a store using US dollars? Or that if someone leaves your store to use a currency converter, 2 out of 3 won't return? Not showing the default local currency might be one of the biggest contributors to your e-commerce bounce rate. And if you ship internationally, a multi-currency app is an absolute must. And the folks at Bold make the best multi-currency app out there. Here's why. It auto-detects where your customers are shopping from and shows them their correct currency. So you don't lose them in the first second that they load the site. And of course, it also syncs real-time with currency databases too, so it's always up to date. But it has a few other neat tricks as well, such as rate padding. So if you set it to sync real-time rates, but want to pad the conversion by a few percent, eh, to make a little for yourself, you can do that too. It also supports vanity pricing, which I think is neat. So if you want all your prices to end in, say, 99 cents, it could do that for you as well. And it's got all those features, but best of all, it's free. So I can't even offer you a special extended trial, because there isn't one. Just go to the App Store and search Bold Multi Currency. That's bold multi-currency in the App Store. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right? Good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stel's, to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store.
1: How much did you spend? It's like, uh, it's two iPhones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's two iPhones and a Chinese GoPro knockoff? It's
1: whatever we spent on the iPhones, and we also got an iPhone out of it. (laughs) Yes,
0: and what's funny is I have a nice DSLR. I just don't go through the effort of setting that up. No. Yeah, like, eh. Leave that for... My wife can use that. On today's episode of the (laughs) Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we discuss... An alleged $75 million fraud. Okay, so two weeks ago, I mentioned on the show, as a uh, top-of-the-show housekeeping note, I said, look, it's January, a lot of people are jumping into a new business, scaling up a business, are just generally looking to invest in themselves and their own business. This also means there are a lot of con artists that come out around this time willing to uh, sell you the roadmap and a a get-rich-quick plan, right? Right. And last January, uh, there was a really a phenomenal deep dive article into like guru culture around e-commerce and Amazon and those experiences that we discussed um, on the show.
1: Re- like a, It was literally like, like a year ago. there yeah. was an article in The Atlantic and like one year ago today, that was the episode that we dropped. Was so talking about that.
0: Today, purely coincidentally... Little
1: did we know two weeks ago when we mentioned it again in the morning, someone was being arrested. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Were they arrested? Well, I I don't know. Was no, his assets were frozen. All right, fine. He's not in jail.
0: Okay, so uh, there is.
1: We almost were involved in a Ponzi scheme, an alleged Ponzi scheme.
0: Yeah, let's make it clear. No one's been convicted. Essentially,
1: here. every verb we use in this podcast put the word "allegedly" in front of it.
0: Yes, because we so, don't want to get sued. Uh, last spring, so I believe it was like. May, I could look it up, but I mean, it was in the spring. It was like
1: April or May, yeah. Yeah,
0: of uh, 2019. A, someone reached out to me. I believe they were a podcast listener and said, hey, you listen to your show, and I've got uh, some friends who are involved in e-commerce, and do you want to go get lunch with us? I was, yeah, it'll be fun. I said, sure, why not? I'll go get lunch. And it was at Gibson's. Um, it was
1: at Gibson's downtown, which is if you're not in Chicago, that's like very fancy, nice, high-end steakhouse downtown.
0: And it, not just downtown, Gold Coast, which of of the downtown area in Chicago, Gold Coast is like premium. Yeah, Gold Coast has a Bentley dealership. <laughs> the The folks I met with uh, were Ken and Carrie Courtright, who are from, their company is Today's Growth Consultants, and at the time they were known for running uh, the Income Store.
1: Which I gotta say, calling your business the Income Store is the biggest fucking con job name I've ever heard <laughs> in my life.
0: Well, so the income-
1: Get rich quick, Inc.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So the the income store is an odd, was a investment vehicle. You, as an income store client, invested $100,000 minimum. I think was what they said.
1: I'll run down what the business was. Oh, you got, all right. All right, I got all the stuff. I'll run down what the business was, and then Kurt could give us his man-on-the-ground perspective from his lunch with these folks.
0: Okay, hit me. All
1: right, so the income store, what it was is, years ago, it was a network of blogs that was essentially doing um, Google AdSense, that was running AdSense on the blogs. They had various affiliate links and that sort of stuff, and that was how these blogs generated money. And what you would do is, you would give Kent and Kerry Courtright, or the income store, $100,000 $100,000 and they would buy a blog for you and then they would manage the blog and do all the work and then they would keep half the revenue as like a management fee and then they would send the other half of the revenue to you and through this you would just generate passive income that would wildly outperform the $100,000 you gave them. And as part of this, they had guarantees and they personally guaranteed that that you would get 15% return annually on your investment.
0: This is the first red flag.
1: This is the first red flag. Guaranteed returns. If anyone promises you guaranteed returns, they are taking your money, they're burning mad off. That is a scheme. Do not listen.
0: Yeah, so number 1, remind yourself all investments carry inherent risk. So anyone who makes a guarantee on an investment unless it's like a savings account doing 1%.
1: Unless it's literally T-bills that is like US Treasury bonds and even those are gu- not guaranteed because the government of the United States could collapse. Like those aren't guaranteed. So they out- promised you 15% a year and they would literally would send you that's $15,000 a year. They would send you a check for 1250 every month. And obviously if the site performed higher than 1250 every month, you would get a check for higher than that. And according to their claims, you actually were the owner of that website. So if you wanted to cancel The deal or do whatever at any time, you could keep your website and walk away from their management. So obviously, these sites, and I looked at some of them, they were really shady. They were like weird review sites, weird like health-focused sites. I'm guessing they used a lot of black hat, gray hat SEO stuff to boost them up in the Google search rankings.
0: Well, I – not necessarily – so – a, that's pure speculation. That's pure
1: spe- speculation. We do but know they.
0: We know they hired a team of copywriters to create content. So that's for these what they're blogs. doing. Yes,
1: and they hired copywriters, obviously paying bargain basement internet copywriter needs a job prices. And so think about. Let's think about this step that has happened. You have just given them a hundred thousand dollars, and all they are required to do is write you a check for twelve hundred bucks every month. Okay. So. Where did the uh, where does the other ninety eight thousand dollars go? <laughs> well,
0: that money was used uh, ostensibly to purchase the website. Yeah. that you have invested in. Which you would
1: hope. So, if you're purchasing, let's talk about this. If you're purchasing a website for a hundred thousand dollars, you would probably expect that website to generate, say, thirty thousand dollars annually. Like that's like. It's conservative. It's conservative. I mean this this site is producing probably between $30 to $50,000 or and then they declared that they were such gurus at SEO and monetization that well don't worry that the website we bought doesn't generate that much money now we are so good at management we're going to supercharge the site's revenue and it's going to be worth well over $100,000 when we're done with it
0: and they had like a, a history of managing internet or growing internet businesses prior to this, prior to the Income store?
1: Uh, I don't know what they did before this. I know they declared bankruptcy in 1999. So... I think a lot of people did, though. Not in 1999. Things were going good then. Oh. Uh, (laughs) So that's what they pretty much were doing. Here's a letter that they sent in 2017 to their investors. Uh, To start, as many of you know, from 2012 to 2016, we battled Google algorithms and were in a constant dance of two steps forward, one step back. And in addition, as many have received, if we failed on a site, we'd always replace it with another. In 2016, we made a hard charge at Facebook-driven assets as they were providing us traffic and revenue, the likes of which have never been seen before. So what they were doing is they were counting on gaming Google to make the money, and then anytime the Google algorithm changed for their like kind of trash content blog network, they then switched to... They would, get cr- they would just crater whenever Google changed anything, and then they moved on to Facebook in 2017. Okay. And, so how long
0: had this been going on?
1: I mean, this has been going on for at least since 2012. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And so the same thing happened. Facebook then changed. The, the, then there are reasons for, oh, the reason that these sites aren't generating things, well, it was people aren't getting the returns they expected. Oh, well, it's because Google keeps changing the algorithm. So we got to some. But it was a Google. guaranteed payout. But it was only a guaranteed payout of a tiny amount of money, and these people have access to the back end and see the revenue that's being generated. And the revenue that's being generated is not commiserate at all with the $100,000 that they gave these people. Okay. So, and it's always, again, as with these Ponzi schemes, it's always a case of just like, you got to stay one step ahead of the people with another new excuse. Oh, it's because Google's screwing us. And then it became, okay, well, Facebook's screwing us. Including this line. I don't even know what they said. This is, again, from like their message to their investors. Um, a year or so ago, we had an immediate seven-figure monthly loss when the government mandated Facebook to turn off their paywalls due to selling everyone's data through the paywalls. In, I, don't, I don't even know what that means.
0: I really, it sounds like word salad. It's just I don't know what they're
1: talking about there. It might be something involving the the election guys in the UK that were helping out the Trump campaign. And then that caused, they were doing a bunch of shady, terrible stuff that was against the Facebook toss. And then like, there were a lot of Facebook alterations, but it wasn't like government mandated,
0: you know, Googling it all I could find. So like literally if I Google government, Facebook paywall, it's all stuff about the $5 billion fine for the FTC for 2019. So I added 2017 on there into my search. And I really can't find anything what they're talking about. There's,
1: All right. Doesn't ring true. We'll Well, move on. Whatever. So So, Facebook then, the government made Facebook screw them. And then, uh, so now we're pivoting yet again. The only platform offering no algorithms, no paywalls, is that of e-commerce, with the leading platform being Shopify. As I shared in our Christmas State of the Union last year, our first 22 Shopify stores launched the first week of January. I showed that they went from $21,000 a week to $100,000 a week in the final week of March. This new growth model showed growth opportunities 15% better than our Facebook-driven assets. We proceeded to build and buy what is now 422 Shopify stores. So they pivoted directly into Shopify. All throughout this letter, there's just more garbage about they hired this guy, and now they're involved in artificial intelligence-driven hubs to cross-reference store inventories. Like, it's just all gobbledygook. Buzzwords? Yeah, buzzwords. And so... They put, moved big into Shopify. They had this giant portfolio of over 400 Shopify stores that they were going to supercharge the revenue. And this is where EtherCycle comes in. So I get to go out to lunch with these folks. <laughs> and I'd never heard of any of this.
0: And they explained to me that they had... like It wasn't clear to me that it was investor money. Maybe I missed it. Maybe they glossed over it. But they said, hey, we've got a portfolio of not dozens, but hundreds of Shopify stores. We're, we're actively buying more and more Shopify stores. And, uh, we need to, uh, we need help scaling them. Uh, tell us what you think. So I was like blown away by initially the, just like, you the were shocked sheer by the sizing.
1: Cause they were just like, oh yeah, we own 400 Shopify stores. Yeah. NBD. The cares? sheer
0: scale of this thing, like managing one store, anyone who has done this, knows scaling one store is just blood, sweat, and tears scaling 10 stores. Oh my gosh. You're a serial entrepreneur. You're superhuman. How do you manage hundreds?
1: You have employees. They had employees. People worked at this company.
0: Twenty employees, I think I saw somewhere. And so we, you know, talked through like, yeah, here's how you would, you know, here's some ideas. Just throwing stuff against the wall. Um, and like, I flat out was like, this is the most utter, like, just it would take phenomenal hubris for me to be able to to try and attempt this. Like it, I wouldn't even try it.
1: It smelled funny to you from the beginning.
0: Yeah, it did. It just because I know the amount of work that goes in. And I'm just thinking about like customer support and creating content and like it, uh, literally it seemed like an impossible task. I really didn't think that this could be done, but we talked through like, oh, here's some ideas. They followed up with me and said, hey, would you jump on the phone with, with a couple of the guys, um, who are staff there? It's
1: Pittsburgh. They had a, apparently they had a bunch of development teams in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So if it I, was, I recall. It was Pennsylvania. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought I remember you from the phone calls. Anyway, they were, yeah, they, they were, were, they were located in Chicago. They lived in Manuka, which is like a far Southwest suburb. Uh, Ken has a giant 4,000-square-foot house in Manuka. I wonder how he paid for that.
0: Allegedly. (laughs) Well, actually, so we know in uh, these articles and the SEC filing, uh, he had a a a $2,800-a-month mortgage, and the company was paying the mortgage, but the company wasn't just paying the monthly payment on the mortgage. It was paying $3,000 a week on a a $2,800-a-month mortgage. So that one really speaks to this was not ever meant to be a legit effort.
1: All right, but that's forward ahead. That's after they get busted. We're right. still in the period where we're smelling these guys out.
0: Yeah. So that I, uh, I, I got a call with their guys. I was like, "How do you even manage this?" I'm like, "Just tell me how you do it," and like what your struggles are. And the answer was, it was like it, it was just unending spreadsheets to try and figure out. It was out.
1: literally spreadsheets. Like yeah. there was no system that was just like a spreadsheet with 400 tabs.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that so that was like that was how you had the high level overview of the thing and like where it was like what developments what state each was in stats about it it didn't seem terribly useful and I by I, I basically said I was like wow this is you've got your work cut out for you have a good day and then I never we never communicated again after that
1: well and I think I think the workers there probably thought they were working at you know it's a big. I mean, I guess you could conceive of, like, a giant company that's a venture capital company with, like, millions of dollars coming in, which is what this was, buying that many stores. And they're like, okay, I can see this. Like, they just have a ton of stores, and they're all just going to put all the money in one big pot. So, like, if you're in the beast, I guess you can kind of see how it might be working.
0: So, after that, that was over the summer.
1: But wait. So, we kind of knew a guy that worked there. One of my old coworkers worked there. Yeah. And you called him up and asked him point blank. You said, Is he the- was the
0: one of the that I, I talked to.
1: Yeah. And, so and I flat out It was asked a guy him, I knew. I used to work with him. He's a good guy. He's le- a legit person. And you straight up asked him.
0: At this point, I, I asked him semi-jokingly. I said, hey, on a scale of uh, legit to scam, where does this fall? And he goes, eh, probably more toward legit. It was, and I don't know if he was like joking around with me or he himself was not 100% confident.
1: Yeah, he couldn't <laughs> say this is a legitimate business. He it was probably not a scam.
0: Yeah, that was how he phrased it. <laughs> was probably not a scam.
1: <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, he uh, lost his job. We shouldn't laugh.
0: Yeah. Uh, last Wednesday night, an article breaks.
1: <laughs> yeah. That gets, I forget. I even forget how I saw it. I think like someone else I knew tweeted it out and it was because it was like, Look at this random-ass Ponzi scheme from Manuka. Whoever heard of them? And I immediately texted the link to Kurt and was like, isn't this that guy you had lunch with?
0: Yeah. And he was
1: like, yes. All right, read us a quote
0: from the, the Sun-Times article all right. about what happened. On, and when did this happen? January 1st?
1: Uh, well, the SEC actually busted him and shut the company down in December. December 30th But the is what this is. All this stuff didn't really break. So, and I mean, the other thing is, uh, let's just talk about how deep this goes. This is a real company with a real website. It, they're on the Inc. 500 list of like these like fastest growing companies. You could find plenty of articles, plenty quoting of art- them, articles about them. Yeah. And I, and I kind of want to be like, hey, if you're yeah, an
0: entrepreneur on fire fan, that podcast with John Lee Dumas, you yeah. have heard this man, Kenneth Courtright on that show. Yeah. That episode has since been deleted. <laughs>
1: I don't and, blame him. I'd do the same thing. And I'm like, what kind of due diligence is Inc. doing? Like, do they really have that much revenue? Like, who even knows? Well, like
0: those those Inc. and Fortune 500 lists. The way they work, it's like you can either send them your your tax filings, or you can have a CPA like send them your financial info, and it has to be notarized. So they like you have to really go out of your way to lie to them when you apply
1: well if if this company was employing a cpa i would say that that cpa is allegedly not on the up and up <laughs> allegedly all right so
0: give me give me the quote from this Times article
1: oh i don't know uh a federal judge has frozen the assets of an illinois man and the company he ran under the name the income store after the securities and exchange commission accused him of a ponzi-like scheme that raised 75 million dollars Not only has the business run by Kenneth D. Courtright III of Manuka allegedly
0: become, quote, unstable, the SEC said money for the business was used to overpay on his mortgage and make private school tuition payments. And so the SEC moved to to freeze the assets of Courtright and the business last month in December out of fear that the alleged scheme would continue until the business collapses. So they've got a 22-page complaint about it. Um... The reality is that the business model has not been successful, said according to the SEC lawyer. It's not in satisfactory financial condition. It's unable to perform its duties. It's crumbling under its debt obligation.
1: So here we go. Uh, Courtright and his business raised at least $75 million from more than 500 investors since January of 2017. And, I mean, 2017 is only a more recent tranche because we saw in the, earlier, in the earlier messages he's sending out that he'd been doing it since 2012. Uh, they did so by striking deals in which the business offered a minimum guaranteed rate of return on revenue generated by websites the business built or acquired for the investors. However, the websites wound up generating just $9 million in advertising and sales between 20, 2017 and 2019. In the same time, Courtright's business paid $30 million to its investors. Ugh. In what the SEC described as classic Ponzi fashion, the business funded the gap between revenues and investor payouts by striking more deals with investors. So I mean, so here's what happened: They bought these underperforming websites. They owe everyone their twelve hundred dollar check. Their twelve hundred dollar a month check. And notice, you gave them half a million dollars. You're getting 1200 hundred dollar a month checks, and they need to get, find that money somewhere because the websites aren't making the money. So they just bring in new investors to pay out the old investors. But the but think about this though. So they owe you fifteen grand a year. Say they think about all right, we got to pay them for two years. That's thirty grand. Where did the other seventy grand go?
0: Well, according to this, it was, it was used on tuition and mortgage payments. Yeah,
1: it went Ken- allegedly went into Kenneth Courtwright's pocket and his wife too, because yeah. his wife was an employee of the business. Yes, she was also a member of the Grundy County Board, which is my favorite Illinois county name.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Grundy. Uh, if you're a married with children fan, like there'd be, there are a lot of Chicago jokes in there. There's, I'm sure there's Grundy County jokes buried in that show.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so she's like, uh, this, and here's one of my favorite things. The canary went off in the coal mine in the fall of 2019 when they started to stiff all their vendors. They outsourced a lot of their content generation and their work to independent contractors, of whom we were potentially going to be one of them, but we decided they were too shady. And we demand payment up front, which obviously any Ponzi scheme is not going to want to do because they can't run out on you later. But uh, So they started stiffing their vendors. Uh, Here's uh, something from earlier in December, just a month ago. I'm a contractor for the income store, and they stopped paying us four weeks ago. We are owed tens of thousands of dollars. We've asked for our pay, and we've been met with awful attitudes from the executives and the owners. Carrie Courtright was particularly nasty. She threatened to sue one of us for slander and stalking. A real nice lady. Where'd you find that? That was uh, posted on a forum where people were discussing this. People who had investors who had been burned by Ooh. these guys were talking on a forum. And then I found a GoFundMe, also started by people who used to work for them. And I'm assuming that's where the slander came from because they talk a bunch of shit about the income store on the GoFundMe. And they're talking about Carrie Cortright again. But she ends all correspondence I have seen with, quote, blessings. So at least we know she's a good Christian. Maybe God will step in and make payroll for her. Oh, God. So there's an elected member of Grundy County who is also involved in this sham. But yeah, so they took the money out of uh, the business. Uh, Since January 2017, the business allegedly moved more than $1.5 million directly into the Courtright's personal bank accounts. And then he took he took out twelve grand a month to pay his three thousand dollar mortgage.
0: Well, you don't want to get you don't, that mortgage interest is very expensive. Well, I mean, yeah.
1: Here is a little tip, folks. Um, if you are paying off a mortgage, if something you could do is. If you can make thirteen mortgage payments a year instead of the twelve monthly ones, that really adds up on the back end of the mortgage because you're saving on the mm-hmm. thing. So it's like
0: this is just smart money, man. This is actually
1: smart money, man. I'm not kidding here when I say this. If you make the 13th payment every year, that's like a real force multiplier at the back end. It may seem like one extra month now, but it ends up being a bunch of extra months. It's in dramatic. The end. It's a dramatic at thing. the end because so of the So I interest. mean, so he just took that and instead of making one extra payment, per he year. was making quadruple payments. Yes. Just make a, that's another, I, that's another thing I think people don't think about when they're trying to think of money-saving tac- tactics, make quadruple payments on your mortgage. You want to pay four times as much your mortgage every month. Also, they allegedly paid more than $12,000 in 2018 and $24,000 in 2019 to a private secondary school attended by members of their family. So they're paying school tuitions too. So anyway, there was a dude, he was in Chicago, he was running a giant Ponzi scheme, Allegedly and uh, we had lunch with him. And (laughs) he tried to hire us, and we thought he was a scam artist.
0: (laughs) At the time, I was like, this is either, there's a non-zero chance this is a scam, but certainly this is just too big to
1: work. At the very least, it's a terrible business model because it's just one random dude Manuka who owns 400 Shopify stores and is like, make them all all good. Hold up. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer
0: brands like ColourPop huckberry and casemate all have in common they rely on Clavio, the growth marketing platform chosen by the brands you love with a dedicated team of experts and a platform that consumes more data than any other on the market Clavio helps you own the customer experience and grow higher value relationships and the results speak for themselves brands have made more than 3.7 billion that's billion with a b in revenue through Clavio in the last year alone from a shopper's first impression to each subsequent purchase, Klaviyo understands every interaction, empowering brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, growth possibilities are endless. Visit klaviyo.com unofficial. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com unofficial. Talk to them. What I love here is it, uh, five months ago on Reddit, Someone posted in the investing subreddit, Income Store. Looking for some feedback on an investment I made about four years ago with a company called Income Store. They buy and run websites for investors that split the profits. They guarantee a minimum of 15% returns for life. And you own the website. My problem is that the website they bought for me is now worthless. I invested over hundred grand and have zero equity. They claim that all of the sites they've purchased are working out financially on their website, but this is clearly false. Anyone else have any experience with this group headed by Ken Courtright? I'm getting nervous. Ponzi scheme? <laughs> Question mark. And first comment is exactly what you said. Anytime you see the words guaranteed returns, that should have automatically flagged it as a scam. That uh, yes, this sounds like a fraud. Absolutely sketchy. You invested a hundred k in this? Sounds like a like it just keeps going like that. And then the guy gets defensive. Update: lots of naysayers out there, which is what I expect from those who don't have any experience or knowledge with this investment. Sir, you already told us you invested a hundred grand and have zero dollars. Like what? But I understand where that would be disturbing, and you would get defensive. Um, Uh, So, and
1: I think one of the thing, another thing that might have triggered it is last December. By November, October, November they of 2019, they started stiffing their contractors, and then in on December 13th, just a month ago, they stopped paying out the guaranteed payments. So clearly, the scheme had slowed down by that point that they didn't even have the guaranteed payment money. And if I wanted to make a guess, I would guess that that's the that was the final trigger that someone dropped a dime on them. People stopped getting their guaranteed checks. Is what
0: triggered the SEC uh, to get involved and stop this? Because it did. I mean, it managed. They ran this for years. This was not like.
1: I mean, it's going for a flash a, of the pan thing. I mean, according to their own declarations this this is gone for seven years Hmm. and i think we were debating whether or not it's like oh
0: did this start is at the start was this legitimate and then you couldn't make the payment and so all right well we'll just move some money and then the wheels fall off at that point where it's like it started off as i've just have a big vision and i could do this and how could we lose i'm so confident the the wheels fall off and then they're just trying to keep it going until we can
1: figure it out kind of thing Correct me if I'm wrong, but this it feels not that far from sort of the venture capital business plan of we're going to drop in a bunch of dough. We're going to lose a bunch of money the first few years, but then we're going to get huge and we're going to make money. And later rounds of investments will pay off some of the – will buy out and pay off some of the earlier investors. I mean, does that not happen in venture capital?
0: You you described it, but venture capital – there is no
1: guarantee. There is no guarantee. And they're not literally.
0: And they're not like literally defrauding
1: people. They're not literally taking the money out for like their fun stuff.
0: Yeah. If I'm, if I've got a VC backed company and I buy a Rolls Royce with that money or I pay for my mortgage, the VCs will not be pleased with me. <laughs> the SEC will not be pleased with me. Like, it would not be good.
1: Isn't that kind of what the Airbnb, the not Airbnb, the what was the offices WeWork, the WeWork? Isn't that what the WeWork guy did?
0: Supposedly, everything he did was unethical
1: but not illegal. <laughs> Isn't that what I the, would
0: phrase his actions as? Not yet illegal.
1: What? What about the Nissan guy? Didn't the Nissan guy? Oh, Carl's Gosen? Yeah, didn't he pay off? Like he has like three houses that Nissan was paying for. Okay, he didn't have any houses. Those were Nissan's houses. Those
0: were investments for (laughs) Nissan that he made. He just lived in them. (laughs) And Nissan looked
1: the other way because he was successful. I mean, I'm kind of a side-eye guy at private capital, venture capital, private equity type stuff to begin with. So in my mind, Kenneth Courtright is a bad, shitty dude. But he's only like two steps more shitty than a lot of other dudes.
0: (laughs) this is By the end, it's just outright fraud.
1: It is outright fraud by the end.
0: The question is, when
1: it started... Did they was was this a legitimate effort or did it always Did he really think that he could like he could take someone's money? Let's be honest, let's think about the steps here. I take your money for a thousand thousand I take a hundred thousand dollars of your money. I buy a website for twenty-five, thirty grand. Cause I mean those websites were trash. I look I clicked I looked at a bunch of them. All the ones I clicked on were just clickbait terrible. So you found these sites? Oh yeah. And oh, but don't worry, I'm going to quadruple the site's revenue. So now it makes $150,000 a year, in which case I get to keep 75 and then you're just getting, you're going to get half the revenue and you know, all that sort of stuff. I mean, is that, where do you get this idea that you're just going to form this network of sites? I mean, at, at the very least, he had to think that Black hat SEO was some magic thing he was going to pull off to make his crappy blog, net, blog network AdSense affiliate links pay off.
0: You're right. Yes. I mean, anyone who has experience with this would know like there, there's no guarantee. I well, mean, the idea that you could buy that it would scale, that you could buy hundreds of sites and scale those. That's like, I have a hard time believing that I accept that someone inexperienced would know
1: well, I mean, that the, this was a problem. That's who all that these, this wouldn't work. That's who all these guys prey on. As people I, yes. that were I think the
0: people who invested, I really don't blame them. I don't see that they they really could have thought that this would be this would be plausible or sustainable. And certainly at the end, you know, when they the company is making quadruple payments on his mortgage, I mean, and he's, is paying a, he's his,
1: straight up pulling money out of this company. And and I mean,
0: the company's paying for private school for their kids. I mean, and the fact that but that tells you like, okay, it's not at this point, it's not legit. But was it always that? But
1: way? even in the beginning, even in the beginning, there's no way that they took your hundred thousand dollars and then invested that hundred thousand dollars. None of the assets they bought cost a hundred thousand dollars or even fifty thousand dollars, and then we had to put in fifty thousand dollars worth of conversion rate op- optimizations. Right. Well, yeah, do, do they, they don't have to put in all of it. Did they put in eighty percent of it? I mean, they didn't. I, they were taking way more than fifty percent of that money and putting it directly into their pockets, allegedly. Is what I think allegedly
0: based on this the based on the SEC file. That's what the SEC alleges. So that's what we're we're basing this off of. I know they told me the uh, the website broker they use, and I'm familiar with them. It's a really well known broker, especially in the Shopify space. Um, so th- that broker, I I know it thinks it's legitimate. So I mean,
1: I'm, I mean the the websites existed.
0: The websites existed, website so people did get a real website. The staff. Uh, you know, we knew one of the guys and I talked to two of them. They, I think they were, they were making a best effort. The I just, we just don't know. Did this, was this legitimate at the start? And then got strange.
1: I mean, I, I guess if it was a con job from the beginning. Like, why would you even hire staff? I wouldn't build. Yeah. You wouldn't build out that much staff. I mean, but here's the, again, to go back. I think the line between con, the line between con artists and I'm a CEO and I get to pay myself a bunch of money and like the business will pay for a bunch of stuff for me in a legal fashion in America. Eh, that's a thin line. Yeah. There's a thin line of just like, oh, by the way, I'm a CEO. So I just get all this free shit and I get to keep half the money generated. Like people just think that that's a thing that happens and then and it's not the case and it's not the case. But then when they get the opportunity to kind of make that thing happen, that's what they make happen.
0: Yeah, it could vary. There's a a thin line between business expense and embezzlement.
1: <laughs> as that's
0: really what we're so yeah. So if it's like
1: I took your hundred grand, and by the way, fifty grand of that is now mine. Is shady and a terrible way to run a business.
0: But that's still not illegal. But that's I go, listen, al- that's that's my management fee. Yeah, that's a that's to compensate my time and my strategy. And you're going to get that back because now I'm the one. It's entirely hands off and passive for you, the investor. I'm taking care of everything. So I don't expect them to spend hundred grand on a website.
1: I don't. If I invested a hundred, I expect them to make more than to invest more than like twenty though, which is what I think they probably did.
0: Yeah, based on what we saw.
1: Yeah, but yeah, so I think it was just like it was all buzzword laden. They really liked okay, Google Ads. The linchpin of the business is Google Ads in like 2013, and then in 2015 it becomes Facebook Ads, Facebook traffic. And then in 2018 and 2019, it becomes, well, Shopify, passive income. All It's just all, whatever the current buzzword of the day is, that's what they use to entice people and being like, oh, well, this is what our new pivot is too. So don't worry, the money's going to come any second now. I mean, he even says this is great in, in his message again from when they switched everything. Um, it, so if I'm hard to reach, please forgive me and please pardon me as I and the team are working tire, tirelessly around the clock to recapitalize your websites and this company to remedy all issues. If we are forced to go the bankruptcy route, it has been shared with us our plan to get approved, but site partners might see anything for years. So I have to do this to stave off bankruptcy, and if we go bankrupt, you won't see anything, so you better leave me alone. Oh, yeah, that is what's going on there. Well, I mean, that was at the end, though. That's in 2017.
0: That's a twenty seventeen. This
1: thing didn't go under until December 30th, but 2019. I, but I think in our timeline of in our timeline of legit business to kanjab, we have fully swung the needle all the way over to kanjab by that point.
0: Okay. I see. <laughs> so what are our takeaways here?
1: Well, I think first of all, it's guaranteed returns are a scam. That's the immediate uh, unless it's literally treasury bills and savings bonds. If if the treasury bills and savings bonds don't pay out, you should hoard gasoline and bullets like that. That's the first thing.
0: Just put all your money into canned food and shotguns.
1: That's my thing with gold. Where they're like, "Well, I got to invest my money in gold because what if the dollar collapses?" Like, bro, if the dollar collapses, you should be investing your money in seeds because that's (laughs) what you will need. Yeah, you're gonna want AR-15s and tall fences.
0: (laughs) So the yeah, number one is any investment opportunity investment vehicle, whatever it is, that has a guaranteed rate of return. All right, so that's our giant red flag. That immediately tells you that's a no-go. Without that part, this otherwise would have looked like a legitimate business to most people from the outside in.
1: Yeah, if they were like, if they didn't, well, I mean, obviously the guaranteed returns is what prompted people to invest with them. But if they didn't promise the guaranteed returns, and they just literally took your money, and then just ran that as long as they could... And at the end of the day, maybe it only would have lasted like one or two years. And at the end of the day, they were like, "Oh, by the way, it all failed. Sorry, company went bankrupt." And he just walks away with everyone's money. He probably would have got away with it. You're right. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I would love to know what the and maybe it's in the filing and we just don't see it. I would love to know what got the SEC investigating. It was probably just complaints.
1: Well, one of the complainants was I found a YouTube video of this like woman who's like an attorney who's like really into investments. And she was like, holy shit, like these videos only have like 500 views, but she read through the entire complaint and she was like, okay, well here are the complainants and it's like four names and two of them are like FBI dudes, but one of them is a banker at like, I don't remember the name of the bank in Southwest, in the Southwest suburbs. So I think it was like literally the, his banker. Hmm. So I wonder if the bank guy dropped a dime on him or what. Or the bank guy had to cooperate with the feds once the feds rolled in. So what they offered
0: investors was, quote, hands-free monthly income with no skills required. And, well, if, it's easy to understand, like, oh, I'm investing, I'm getting a website. That's an online business, and I know that's a big deal. If that's what you want to put your money in, the answer to doing that is just is invest in, in tech stocks. Invest in companies, um, in, like a traditional brokerage account. Like there's got, right? I'm, sh-
1: I'm sure there's a, well, there's a- an ETF, so there's things called – yeah, there's an exchange rate run fund. They're called ETFs where it takes like a whole section of sort of the market and right. like it's one stock you buy. So there's one called SPY, which is just the S&P 500. That's where most of my money is in SPY. Um, there's one called ITA. That is defense and aerospace contractors. And after Trump won, I put a bunch of money in ITA. It's going very well. Uh, I invest <laughs> yeah, the whole market. I invested. You in can throw the- a <laughs> After the 2016 ele- election, I invested in what I call the evil sec- sector of the economy, and my uh, stocks are doing great. Uh, so yeah, like look at the ETFs; they're really good. You're like kind of diversified, so it's like not just one stock, but you're also just not like a total wiener and buying the entire stock market.
0: Well, there- so there's yeah, there's. Um- uh semiconductor ETFs would get you into technology like hardware um but there's also uh, information services or IT ETFs that's going to get you um that's probably closest to what you want and that would like that's you there's I don't think there's a minimum well and here's beyond the, what like the brokerage wants the
1: joke of it is the the S&P 500 over the past 40 years has paid out I think at more than 15% a year hmm so, you literally could have just, and that I, it outperformed Bertie Madoff, I think. And I think it, out, it obviously outperformed the 15% these people were claiming. Like, if you literally put all your money in SPY and just sat on it for 40 years, you'd have more money than doing these wild ass investments. That, yes, that is, that's the dark truth of investing.
0: Is it Stop screwing around, just everything goes to the SP 500 and don't mess with it. Oh, you got to be in it for the long haul.
1: Anyway, I don't know how this turned into like mad money.
0: <laughs> well, we gotta bring all the sound effects back for that.
1: So anyway, if something's too good to be true, it probably is. The most like repeated line of a million times.
0: It it's a, it's the guaranteed return that's immediately like that's the red flag. Sorry, without that, without um, like if you take that away from it, then from the outside looking at it, very you. I could see where people thought this was legitimate and invested money, and I'm sorry that people lost, I mean, over 500 people lost money to this thing, and oh, I hope well, the SEC is able to do a clawback no, well, on if it,
1: it was $100,000 a throw, and they raised $75 million, I can't do the math in my head. Well, uh, they just,
0: well some people would have invested more. Um, the Sun-Times article just specifies, quote, more than 500 investors since January 2017. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, I feel bad. Also it,
1: notes at least seventy five million. So who knows how much money they got. Yeah. But yeah, you thought they were shady. Give me give me more I want more color here. I want to know more <laughs> about the lunch. I want to know how shady they were. What did they order? <laughs> what did
0: they order? Uh they were on the keto diet. <laughs> that came up.
1: <laughs> uh
0: they got they they did get cocktails
1: <laughs> with their their dishes. And you were like, How do you run all this? And he was just like, eh, It's fine. Don't worry about it.
0: They were like, well, we have a team. The team does it. <laughs> yeah. I mean that like I didn't get into the actual logistics of it until I talked with a couple of their people uh some weeks later. It wasn't obvious to me when I met them for lunch. It really it was not obvious to me that this was like people invested and they bought a website for you.
1: You just thought it was a company and they had a ton of money because they I, were yeah. they were rich or something. Yes. Yeah.
0: I thought they were just uh my impression, and I don't know how accurate it was, my impression was this guy uh, had experience in digital marketing and he was going to buy and scale a whole bunch of stores and sell those stores and this really like was his own investment and like maybe he had uh, a few angel investors or whatever. I did not realize the scale of the investments that were occurring here. And at that time, I mean if you googled him, you'd find pl- like tons of content and articles and interviews that would lead you to believe that, yeah, this guy's legit. And knows what he's talking about. Well, and
1: it just goes to show the whole thing of like pretend like you belong. Like this guy was just like, I'm a big time businessman. I do a lot of investments. I definitely know what I'm talking about and how to run a business. And like things are going great for me. And, they, and they, everyone believed him.
0: Yeah. They, well, you know, they talked about their they were well dressed, and uh, they uh, they talked about oh yeah, we live at this big property, and uh, uh, that's Manuka. like south of here. Yeah. And they you mentioned like a condo in Gold Coast and you know, going to after parties at events. So I, I accepted, I accepted that they were successful. And I accepted that they, they were legitimate and successful to that point. But I just, I did not believe in what they were pitching then, but I didn't think it was like outright fraud until later where I, I thought, okay, well, there's a, there is a chance that this thing's a scam, and then it, you know, I walked away from it. And then months later, I get a text from you. It goes, "Hey, is this these guys you had lunch with? The SEC says that they allege a seventy-five million dollar Ponzi scheme." I was like, "Oh my god, it was a scam."
1: We got good noses. Yeah. Well, I mean, you came back from the lunch and you were like, "Those people were weird," and yes. I, and like you described the whole thing to me, and I was like, "This is not, this is not a a right thing." It just, it was too. It was too ramshackle. Yes. that's the. I mean, if you're running 400 Shopify stores, you are a true fucking business that's like you have offices in an office park with like an entire, with floors worth of people and like different levels of people and people have focused on specific sites that like they're the head of and all the, like, like well, Yeah.
0: A- Knowing it, like we'll use uh, auto anything example. Drew Sinaki was on the show and he talked about direct mail marketing but he is the ceo of auto anything that's one website right one website that's been around a while that sells a bunch of stuff they employ what, dozens of people and it's a big office yeah. right for one website yeah you're going to run 400 800 websites with 20 people and they're I, all completely disparate
1: i mean if you if you told me that not they, happening. if you told me they had 5000 employees i would be like okay maybe they could pull it off that's just 10 employees a store i mean that's not crazy
0: yeah. That, Plus, whatever
1: that. the HR was and all the other stuff right. to actually run the business. I mean, they would they'd need at least five thousand employees. So the fact that they had fifty.
0: <laughs> well, the that, you know they like. I initially I was asking them about strategy and what are you doing, and it got a little combative with Carrie. <laughs> and I was like, "All right." Uh, and uh, we moved away from that. And then the only piece of marketing advice that they gave me because Cl- I was like. You're do- I said, you're doing this big thing? You should be giving me advice. This is like this huge thing you're doing. What? And he goes, oh, I'll, I'll tell you the thing we're really hot on right now, micro-influencers. And that was it. That was the sole, <laughs> you know, maybe he wanted to place cards close to his chest. I don't know. But the sole piece of marketing advice they gave me was, you got to use micro-influencers. They got to be 4,000 to 9,000. That's followers on Instagram. That's the sweet spot.
1: Oh, and that's totally... That was the next pivot. That's the next pivot. Because, I mean, we see Instagram blowing up and how important Instagram is to various stores. The next pivot he would declare to people is, well, we're going in hard on Instagram now. Could be. Also, micro-influencers, they generate nothing for you, right? Because Julie's tried micro-influencers.
0: That was a point in his favor because it spoke to experience with influencers where you know the 100,000-person influencer is the one who's probably not legitimate. The eight thousand person influencer, they probably have a legitimate following. So that I was that was a point in his favor. It was just odd that like that was the sole it's like you're managing hundreds of stores and that's your only advice?
1: I don't know. As the as the as Ethercycles resident skeptic, these people stunk to high heaven the moment you got back.
0: <laughs> I did get Yeah, me. I got back and was like, you won't believe this <laughs>
1: I was like, they got hundreds of
0: Shopify stores. You're like, what?
1: (laughs) Yep. It's like all selling different things, and they don't care about any of them. Yeah, it wasn't
0: like I had one store, like one supplier and one store, and I like divided up niches, or like they were for different countries or languages. Yeah, they're all, every one of them, completely different.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing that spreadsheet. You sent me a link to that spreadsheet. It was a fucking disaster. It was was (laughs) terrifying. So that's that. Don't get scammed, please. If yes, please don't. No one will guarantee anyone who guarantees you returns is a scammer. Anyone who's pitching you something where you won't have to do any work and it's too good to be true is a scammer. Don't fall into those traps. Yeah, that, that's the takeaway. Huh, <laughs> <sighs> man,
0: I'm I'm drained just even like thinking about it.
1: <laughs> I love it. I was, telling, right, well, I was telling everyone last three days. I was like, I had lunch with this dude. Even though I didn't. I stole your valor.
0: That's fine. <laughs> I'll back you up. Someone's like, uh, Paul said he had a l- Yep, that was him.
1: <laughs> That's it.
0: That's all I got. Uh, yeah, please don't get scammed. Uh, join us in the Facebook group. We'll do, uh, the next episode, I think we'll do a Q&A. And I gotta, I'll post in the Facebook group with uh, a call for your questions. So let us know what you want to hear next time. All right. This is like my very own episode of American Greed. CNBC. <laughs> CNBC. <American laughs> Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called
1: FLEX. Flex.
0: And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles in Turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where FLEX is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now, here's the coolest part. Flex has a new demo shop import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.